This is episode 90, Contemplating Complaining with Amberlyn Harrison. What's up? I'm Trent with Fight Heart Body and Soul. This is where we train Jesus followers to fight for their health, heart, body, and soul. And I'm in this fight with you. Let's train to fight. What's up, fighters? Welcome to the show. have a treat for you today. It's been a little while. Uh, Oh, let me introduce myself. I forgot. I'm Trent, the host of your show, certified transformational nutrition coach, speaker, podcaster, husband, cat owner, but most importantly, a Jesus follower. Today, I have an interview for you. It seems like it's been a while since I've had an interview. Today, I interview Amberlyn Harrison. Amberlin, not to be confused with Anne Berlin, the rock band. <laughs> uh, they're a rock band with, with Christians in the band. They don't really call themselves a Christian rock band, but they are Christians, right? and that's cool. But Amberlin is a writer. She started writing at a really young age. She loves to write, and she did teach school, but now she stays at home with the kiddos and she writes and she has a website called amberlinbooks.com she'll talk about that but she wrote a book called the complainer's journal and this is deep stuff that we need to talk about the root reasons why we all complain and it's easy to justify complaining we really get into some stuff that i know will help you if you open your heart and, and let it it has me we have a really cool conversation. We get into several different things that may seem unrelated to complaining, but really they're connected. We talk about stuff like boundaries and truly listening to people and motives when approaching people and seeking counsel about situations involving other people, all that stuff. And just understand that this matters to your health. If you think, oh, I eat right, you know, my health is fine. But if you're harboring toxic emotions and you're complaining a lot and you're justifying, belittling other people, that's not healthy. It's not, and it matters to your health. It matters to your health. That's why this show's about heart, body, and soul health to God's glory. They're all connected. Interviewing Amberlynn was really a pleasure. She's a lovely Southern belle from Georgia <laughs> and uh, I you know I'm kind of biased towards southern draws but you know I, I love all people but you know we have our biases and uh, that's <laughs> that's one of mine and you can hear my southern draw as I talk but if you're listening and you're uh, from north or out west or up east whatever I love you too it's uh <laughs> we're all made in God's image it's cool but anyway, without further ado, uh, I give you the interview that I had the pleasure of doing with Amberlyn Harrison. Hey, Amberlyn, how are you? I'm well. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. I really appreciate uh, <laughs> taking time out of your busy life. I know you have children. That makes you busy. I appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. Thank you. I'm excited. They're having a good morning, too. They're outside fishing with Dad. So. <laughs> oh, you locked them outside for the interview. That's good. That's good. Yeah, he's locked out, too. <laughs> that, that's a good game plan. You should write a, a book on parenting. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, the, always uh, we start the show uh, with the question. I'll ask you now. Uh, Amberlyn, are you ready to train us to fight for our health? Yes, I am. All right. Boom. Okay, so the way I like to start is, I think you wrote a book on a, a unique subject. I don't know that I've seen an entire book on it before. There may be one. And I think it's something that I, I'll replace think with no. I know it's something that goes overlooked by a lot of people, including myself. You really challenged me uh, to look inward and think mindfully about it. But you wrote a whole book on complaining. And I'd like to know and share with everybody 
how did that happen? Why did that matter enough to you? Uh, why do you think that mattered to uh, serving God, to taking care of our health? W- what made you say, I need to write a book on complaining? Just, um, well, you come to different conclusions and levels of maturity one thing at a time. And I think the first red light I had was when I realized that I was talking to my friends or venting, as some people call it, venting and sharing to my friends, which is fine to a point. But it got to the point where I would notice that they, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I could tell, you know, Amelyn, I've heard this story before. When are you going to do something about it? When are you going to change your attitude about it? And I realized that I was annoying people that I cared about who I really wanted to be there for me, you know, when I, when I needed something. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't want to keep wallowing in situations that maybe I had some power on that I was neglecting. Oh. power over that I was neglecting. Mm, yeah, that that's pretty deep stuff right there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is for me. Well, we don't you were mindful enough to to see how they were reacting and to do something about it. I think that's powerful. Have you ever heard of the Myers-Briggs personality test? Yes, I have. So one of mine is perception and I mean, I could clearly perceive that people were just being polite in hearing me rehash these same things over and over again. And I thought, well, it's time to take a different approach because venting has not led to the healing that I am looking for. So I need to try something else. Mm. And that's how it all started. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. And you go, you talk about some things that, I mean, people wouldn't think you know, reading the book, you list different types of complainers, which is really cool. But, I mean, reading this, at least for me, it it caused me to think, wow, you never, that's something that's so easy to overlook, you know, that we do, that could be, that really, it is complaining, but I think we're so good at justifying like you said, venting or, or I, mm-hmm. like, for example, I'm just receiving counsel from this person. I'm not gossiping because, you know, because I, I really need advice on this. And we, you know, we justify ourselves when we're actually degrading someone's character. And I think it's, why is it so easy for us? You think to justify doing something that's wrong and, and, make ourselves feel like it's right I think it's easy when you're emotional about something to lose your motive and to get carried away in whatever feelings you have of being victimized I think what you need to look for because I mean I still call friends and I try to listen to the Holy Spirit's guidance how much information do I need to give this person in order for them to give me some godly wisdom that I need you know, we need each other. We need to share our stories and be honest with each other about our struggles, especially, too, when that involves other imperfect people just like us. The change of heart is when your motive is actually trying to seek reconciliation from a situation instead of going all over, all over this person's faults in order to get the person who's listening to be on your side and agree with you that other person is flawed and they're treating mm. you wrong. The motive is just different. And sometimes even your motive, like if I call, I call my grandma a lot, I tell her everything. And sometimes I have to think about myself. Okay, I just told her this one little blip and she gave me some advice and that's where it needs to stop for now today. Because if I keep on talking about the character flaws of this person and how what they did today connects to what they did the other day and what they did last week, I'm now trying to change my grandma's mind about how she feels about this person in their character instead of seeking godly advice. Oh, that's big. <laughs> and so you're saying, so if, it really is. So if our motive is to get the person to be on our side, then that's the wrong motive. I think so, because it's not about sides. We're all imperfect together. And when you tell a problem, it needs to be you know, for healing. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the healing might be a little bit of validation, but you have to really be careful 
I have to be careful when I get off the phone. I'll keep using my grandma as an example that I don't want to hang up and feel like, ooh, I've accomplished something. Now she's mad at her just like I am. <laughs> you know? yeah. so, that's not the point. That's not why we are able to speak to each other about things. Because that builds. Uh, I would think that would build resentment and further fuel negative feelings you, you have for that person. Mm-hmm. And that could lead to something dark and and unhealthy really i mean if you keep that going and the more people i would think that you get quote on your side i think that's the worst it would get <laughs> yes and you know I, i've heard it too i've heard jokes um you read the little internet memes about how say like a woman has a fight with her husband and then she calls her sister and then the woman and the husband make up but the sister's still mad <laughs> you know, because uh. you've Maybe told a little too much, maybe went a little bit farther than seeking wisdom and just to causing uh, people to be angry with each other, you know. Yes. Reminds have you seen Fireproof? I have. You know that scene where she's with her friends and it keeps going back and forth. She's talking to her friends and he's talking to his friends and they're both complaining about each other. Do you remember that part? <laughs> no, because it's been a while since I've seen it. It's been a few years. I don't remember that part in particular, but that sounds about like what I'm talking about. Yeah, that she's <laughs> she's just telling telling them how he does, and like, oh, girl, you you need to, you know, <laughs> he, he's just, and they were questioning his motives. He's just trying to uh, don't fall for this trick he's playing on you. You know, getting inside of her head, and and I right. think I think that raises another subject or. A consideration about when when we're going to someone and we're we're seeking counsel and say our motives are pure and we, we don't want to complain sometimes we might pick the wrong person to go to and they might actually fuel our complaining so I think that raises the question when we do seek counsel from someone I think it's important to pick somebody who has good motives themselves because I, I may Maybe we might even be subconsciously choosing this person because maybe they'll make us feel better about our complaining or, or maybe we think they'll actually, uh, it's hard to word what I'm saying, but make us Commiserate? Feel, yeah, yeah. Make us feel like we're right. And uh, and we might even be doing it subconsciously, and that that's another topic altogether but so what do we need to do about this idea of choosing people to go to how how do we go about that so that we pick someone who will not encourage our complaining I have a big graph and I think I took it out of the complainers journal and put it in the complainers workbook but in part of the it's like a spider chart and in part of the chart it says have you taken this question to a friend And the thing is, I think, instead of looking for a friend who maybe might know exactly how you feel because you've heard them complain about the same thing or you know that they have a similar relationship, go to a friend whose um, life reflects the fruit of the Holy Spirit so that you know you can get some wisdom that's not biased by their own emotions. Mm. Yeah, that's a really good gauge, uh, the fruit of the Spirit. I mean... I mean, you can't get a better gauge than that. I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go because you know that they have the same problem, but go because you know that they are wise and that the Holy Spirit is working in their lives. You might get a better bit of advice from a person like that. And man, that's tough. Uh, I mean, it really is. If because it's man, it's so why is it so hard for us? To, we want validation it's like we have to fight again i mean the name of my show is fight we have to fight against that and and not choose the person who might make us feel better but the person who who would tell us what we need to hear but not necessarily what we want to hear um and i'll give you a good example this happened to me just last year there was someone that whom I needed to go to about something. It was just I knew I needed to. Right. I did not want to. <laughs> <laughs> I did not want to do it. 
but I knew <laughs> I needed to do it. Yeah. And so I and I already talked to one of my friends about it, and he's like, "No, you know, you need to do this. Uh, you know, no way around it, and you'll feel so much better after you do it." So I decided to get counsel from someone else, and I knew this guy was the right choice. And it's like in my mind, I knew he was going to tell me that I needed to do it as well. Mm-hmm. But in the back of my mind, I wanted him to tell me, "Oh no, you you don't need to do that." to make things right but and it's like i knew he wasn't going to say that but i wanted him to and so i took a shot at it but but of course he told me what i knew he was going to say and i'm like so i came to grips with you really do need to do this and they were right i was very nervous about it but when i confronted the person it went it went well and after Mm -hmm. i felt so much better and I felt like even I had more integrity about me too because mm-hmm. I hit it head on instead of talking just talking about this person to other people yes I like that <laughs> it really it really is better to come to someone I was just reading a book um I try to get I try to get my hands on anything that Dr. Henry, Henry Cloud writes oh yeah me too <laughs> and it was it was the book called um I don't know what's called is it unsafe people safe and unsafe people and one of them was about a waitress who smiled everything was great even when at one point he did something um he didn't realize he had done that messed her up and she never mentioned it to him but she mentioned it to everybody else at the restaurant and they're all mad at him like why did you mess with Stacy or whatever her name was what did I do well she all told us that you did such and such well she didn't tell me she's been nice to me all week you're right it is better um you have more integrity if you just talk to that that person and you know it's not our responsibility their response is not our responsibility either and that's Mm. something um i have learned from reading his books is the anger of someone else you don't have to be afraid if someone else is angry at your honesty um you know, when you feel like you need to go tell them something, truly something you've prayed over, because their anger can't really hurt you. Am I saying that in a way that makes sense? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I was listening, and I wasn't saying. Um, <laughs> and that's enough. That's if I'm articulating it well. Like, no, you don't need to come up and say, you know. No, you really were. I'm, I'm with you 100. percent I got a friend. He's actually my accountability partner. He's the uh-huh. he's the best listener I know. Period. Mm-hmm. And and when I'll be talking, it's just dead silence. And sometimes I think, <laughs> but he's just he's listening and he's hearing every word I'm saying. But I think I guess what we, we go we to... sometimes we want that. Uh, I struggle with wanting validation while I'm talking, mm-hmm. and I think that can be a negative uh, negative trait too. But if I understand you correctly, I think what you're saying is one of the main points the book Boundaries makes is that when we do what's right on our side of the fence, the only control we have is our side. And we don't have any control on the other side. And when when we live like we do, we're just bringing misery and heartache and even um, it's even bad for our health, too. A lot of that, what I'm thinking about too is that you have to be very, very careful. I feel like we need to make sure we understand that it's our calling to love other people and not necessarily preach to other people. Um, So that makes it different. Don't say anything to someone else that might make them angry um, if you think there is a hint of self-righteousness within you. Do you know what I mean? Oh, okay. Like, like if you're going to try to rebuke somebody or something like that, that needs to be very, very prayerfully handled with lots of humility. Yes, uh, rebuking is is tricky ground uh, because mm-hmm. because that, <laughs> I mean, biblically, obviously, there's a place for it. But man, if you're right, you and I lead the ministry that I lead dealing with destructive behaviors and addictions. It's difficult. Mm-hmm. And, because we were dealing with a person one time where 
we had to do it. I mean, it was necessary, and we, re- we prayed about it. We really wanted to go about it the right way because we knew it needed to happen. But like you said, it's so delicate. And mm-hmm. you know, your, if your motives aren't right, that can go south quickly. Yes. <laughs> and even if, you are, if your motives are right, it can still go south very quickly. But if you've prayed over it and you have erased all self-righteousness, and you come to someone humi- humbly, but they're angry at you in your integrity and honesty with them. You really can't help that. But yeah. anyway, yeah, you're that's right. Going, that's going down a different trail. But anyway. no, it's a needed one. Uh, <laughs> I, I think another good rule that I have is never ever yell at all. Yes, <laughs> that's a hard one. That's a hard one in text too. <laughs> Like when you text people. Yeah, okay. I've made that mistake before. Well, there's some people, you know, that you can't talk to without yelling. And so then you try to text, and then that comes off wrong, too. We live and we learn, don't we? <laughs> yeah, that, that's an Alanis Morissette song, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it, I find if, if you, it's like the Bible talks about um, heaping coals of fire on their head. And when you respond kindly, it's really hard for somebody to get mad at that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it works well for me. I, I know the the I've seen it happen in situations where there was a potential for somebody to to yell or get angry, but I, in being calm in my response, it, it prevented it from happening. And it yes, and it will. It works. My mom used to tell me that you can't argue with a brick wall. Yeah. So sometimes silence for you to gather up what you're going to say and say it calmly and kindly is the best thing to do. Yeah. Say, I need a minute. (laughs) Yeah, and if you can't do it, you're right. Take some time. It took me a while to realize that in my marriage, my wife helped me to see this, that there were times where... I wanted to keep talking about it. She didn't. Mm-hmm. And and instead of giving her that alone time like I should have done, I, w- <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just kept pressing the point. I was like, no, we need to talk about this. Well, she wasn't ready to talk about it. And that was okay. It's not that she was ignoring it, per se. She needed some time to calm down and reflect mm-hmm. on it. And I think that's very important when you're passionate about talking about it. And you need to recognize it's all about uh, Stephen Covey talked about this in his book, Changed My Life, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. You read Mm -hmm. that? I can't remember if I have skimmed through it or listened to an audio, but I know I have one of his audio CDs. It's monumental. But he's, mm-hmm. his habit five is seek first to understand, then to be understood. Mm-hmm. And so if your motive is to truly understand the other person and not just to make your point, it would be much easier to do that. I was just thinking, I'm, I'm like you. I'm like, no, we need to get this out right now. Yeah. We need to fix this. But it's when you're upset and emotional you talking about with your wife it would have been hard for you to understand she's trying really really hard to love me in her anger right now uh-huh. <laughs> she's trying really really hard to respect me and if i don't back up i'm i'm igniting her anger you know what i mean like mm-hmm. she's trying to be respectful to me i need to let her yeah. so i need and, to do that with my husband too <laughs> it's hard and it's recognizing <laughs> something else she's helped me to realize is it's recognizing different personality types you, know, you mentioned the personality test um there are times where and she helped me to see this uh, we're different in that um sometimes she she just needs to to be alone i think more than i do like space mm-hmm. um but i'll want to you know go up and hug on her and whatever and and but there'll be times where she's she does, she just wants some space and we talked about this the other day and she said it, she really learned something about herself like over this just this past weekend 
because she had uh, we had a, one of her family members over and it's my family too and she remember a time where this person younger teenager barely a teenager would would come up to her and she would be thinking in her mind oh please just go away and then it, it hit her all of a sudden that it, it gave her clarity about the situation with me because she felt bad for a while of feeling that way about me and she's like well I don't want to feel this way about my husband and then yeah. it finally hit her it's like it's not that I didn't want him around per se it had nothing to do with how I felt about him it had nothing to do with how she felt about her family remember she loves both of us she realized about herself that that's just my personality I need mm -hmm. I need that and when she shared that with me I was like, wow, I, I need to do better at honoring that and recognize that when she needs that, she's not saying, I don't like you, get away from me. She's saying, I just need some space right now. I'm like that too. It's like you've had a you've had enough stimulation from anybody talking to you or anything and you need some time to process, you know, whatever you've been praying over the day, whatever you've been studying. I'm like that too some days. I've heard that's a quality of introverts, but I don't know her, so I don't want to say she's introverted oh, or she's, extroverted. She's full-scale introvert. She's a... <laughs> <laughs> well, see, and then that's important that she um, protects that because then that means she's wired that way to learn from God's promptings too in that quietness that's the only way she can process things i'm like that too as an only child because i'm used to being alone i don't know any other way and so when i've had too much people time i'm like all right i'll be in my teepee i'll come <laughs> out <laughs> yeah i think it's it's important to get honest and in your section in the book about journaling i think that's a good a uh, way to do that is to get honest about ourselves kind of who we are and because I think we live in a society I talk about this a uh, good bit we live in a society that really encourages drowning everything out with noise all the time mm -hmm. like our cell phones or social media or Netflix music and, and those things in and of themselves aren't evil or anything but it's almost like in our society, it's it's easy to never have quiet time of reflection, even when we're alone, because we have our faces stuffed in our phones or in the computer screen or in the TV. So we, we never even reflect on who we even are and what personality we even have and what needs that we have and how and how to communicate to other people those needs and especially in a marriage but any relationship really so do you think that or how do you think that kind of plays into it all that what our society is teaching us about just having something noise going all the time well i think that if you think of it like a connect the dot picture all of the information and the noise, even the sermons we hear, the conversations we have, they're all dots. And we just count these dots all day long, count, count, count. And if we don't have some time to sit back and connect the dots, then we won't really learn anything from all this information. Mm. It's sort of like piecing it all together. Mm-hmm. Because I'm thinking about, you know how like when you've been in church forever since you were a kid, but finally one day something clicks when you're thinking about it yeah <laughs> you've been bombarded with all this information but for some reason you don't get it until one day you really think things over uh-huh that's what I mean like you finally have some quiet to connect some dots with all the information that you've been given through all these media and all the stimulation during the day it's important to have quiet time I, I think it's critical to get it in the morning I mean that's my opinion and I have reason for that uh, mm -hmm. But the the church that we are members of now, we they had this um, class for new members. It's kind of a way to get you engaged and also tell you what what's expected of you. 
as a member of a body because there's expectations being a member of the body of Christ. There's things you're supposed to do. And uh, one thing that he said that really stuck out to me, and I loved it, and I'm so glad that he said it and we're part of a body that believes this, but he, he was talking about having time in your life for spiritual disciplines like prayer, reading scripture, meditation, serving others, stuff like that, just basic spiritual disciplines. And he said, if the only time you're getting in in those things is here at church, when you come once a week, you're going to be hurting spiritually. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that that's a, I'm so glad that he said that because we don't understand it's a, it's a lifestyle. It's not, that's anything. I mean, that's just how, how it works with taking care of our health to God's glory. It's all a lifestyle. It's none of it is, I check this box. I'm done. It's okay. You have to live all of it. And if it's not a lifestyle, that's with anything. It's with, it's with dieting. It's, you know, I have people with nutrition and I tell them, a lot of people say, um, there's somebody in my head right now, uh, who I love dearly and she'll say, well, it won't hurt every once in a while. And what she really means is most of the time and it's not. <laughs> and so what pe- people struggle with eating nutritiously because their mindset is, well, I'm going to diet for a month, but it, it doesn't become a lifestyle. And so they fall off and they're unhealthy. I think it's the same. I think that applies to anything in life, to the complaining, to whatever. I mean, whatever aspect, the spirit, body, heart, soul, whatever you're talking about, if you don't make it a lifestyle, I think you're going to suffer. Yes. that There is um, another podcast. You can find her page on Instagram. I think it's called Simply Living for Him. Um I really enjoy her, and I was listening to one of her podcasts the other night. <laughs> it's funny. I was listening to her podcast on things and how everything is disposable, and I was in my kid's bedroom, and I was like, I'm going to throw this away because this is junk, and I'm going to throw this away. But anyway, it was just <laughs> funny. She, she said, um, and I love First 5 app. I recommend First 5 app to everybody who asks me, you know, what apps do I enjoy? The idea is that the first five minutes of your day are dedicated to the Lord with this short five-minute devotional. But she was saying, um, and she has a good point, you know, it's sad in a way that to some people, that is their scriptural practice. I got my five minutes in. I'm done. Mm -hmm. I compacted it all into five minutes this morning. Check that off the list. She said, you know, it should be all day long. I I have two kids. Um whenever I'm graced with a little bit of free time, I try to use it wisely, but all throughout the day, I try to have this long standing, never ending prayer study, whatever. And honestly, a lot of it is done on my phone, Googling questions or whatever that I think of. Um, and going, like you said, from book to book to book to book. (laughs) But so for me, it's kind of like an all day, all day string of um, practice. Hopefully one day I can get an hour and an hour there, but I don't know. For me, it's always been that way though. Actually, even before kids, I just have a lot of questions and in any of the little pockets of the day that I have to try to find an answer, I find an answer. But anyway, that type of lifestyle is very, very different from, I read my Bible 30 minutes. I prayed and I wrote in my journal five. Okay. I'm close it. Now I'm going to go about my day. Yeah, I just answer questions and pray all day. <laughs> I think In that's what uh, Paul meant when he said pray without ceasing. I think all he meant was just have a lifestyle of prayer. You're just you're a praying human being. Right. And, and it goes back to motive even there, because I think the way some people approach Bible reading, I think, is a, a little flawed and maybe even a little legalistic in that if if I read my Bible through this year, I have that checked off, and right. you know maybe you don't get points from God uh, for reading your Bible. 
I mean, it do, you grow spiritually from it, obviously, if your motive is right. But if it it, it can be tricky ground just because I was there once. Mm-hmm. I thought I needed, I needed to read my Bible, but my motive was wrong. And what helped me to really change in that for the better and, and just get peace and clarity was to change my motive to doing it to glorify God and not... Yes. Not to earn grace or be more right with him. He's not going to love me anymore, but just to glorify him. And when you're in that state, I think that changes how you do everything that you do. I think if you are a learner, you know, some people just naturally are full of questions and they like to read. That's my personality. Then part of your spiritual duty, I guess, based on your gifts is to study and read and pray over things. But then I also think of the fact that for a long, long time, there were Christians who did not have access to the Bible. And Jesus talked about, you know, not being a person who is very legalistic and uh, connected so much to the law. I think that our highest authority is the Holy Spirit and your lifestyle needs to be one of prayer. And like you said, it's very, very easy to get sucked into the um, Christianity is all about knowing the Bible. It's very different than what Jesus taught. Yes, that that raises, oh my word, I could talk about that for, because I, I actually came out of, and if I'm honest, s- still recovering from really legalistic thinking. Mm-hmm. And it's almost in some groups like they exalt the Bible itself as God, and the Bible is not God. It's a right. it's a gift from God, but right. when we exalt it to the point that we read it in such a legalistic way and start binding things that that God really didn't, we th- then we lose track of the motive. Uh, it gets away from I think doing it to God's glory, and then we start nitpicking. Right. Uh, on different things. And my journey out of that was a very difficult and trying and um, painful, really. And, and I know a lot. I have a good friend who came out of that, too. And he's actually writing a book. Uh, I'm thankful that he is about his struggles. Um, and basically, the book is about how how legalism can destroy the grace of God. And so I think when we start looking at things from the wrong lens, it all goes back to glorifying God. I think if that's our motive and that's why we do what we do, then what we do is is going to be right if we're coming at it from, look, how can I glorify God in this? Mm-hmm. And understand that when we don't do it perfectly, he sheds his grace. We, yes. don't, we don't beat ourselves up over it. And, and life is so much... Like it's hard to find a word. It's so much sweeter that way. Mm-hmm. Grace is sweet for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you live a life full of grace. Yeah. Um, I want to transition quickly because I want to get this part in. Talk a little bit about, I think I mentioned this earlier, but at the end of the book, your complainer's journal, mm-hmm. you have several questions and you encourage people to, write these out so it's like a journaling section mm-hmm. and let's see how i want to do this because you have uh, different sections here um we can't talk about them all which is why if you're listening you just need to get the book so go to amazon <laughs> and buy the buy the book it doesn't cost a lot it's an easy read and and i appreciate easy reads um, that are easy to understand uh, I think that's a, gr- a great quality to write a book that's um, easily understood. I think that's a good thing, and mm-hmm. I, I appreciate with when people do that. You know, there are there's a place for scholarly works, and there are people who want that, and that's good. Um, I'm not necessarily the guy that that wants that. Um, I went to preaching school and stuff, and we had to take Greek, and I appreciate mm-hmm. all that. And I think I think people need to, you know, it's important to study biblical languages. But I, I'm not. I don't think I'm the guy. I don't really 
My personality doesn't really want to dive so deep into breaking every single little thing down. Um, and, you know, and there's different types of works for different people. Anyway, I'm going on a tangent. But uh, <laughs> one of my point was your book's easy to read. Um, how did you go about coming up with these questions? And why do you think it's important to write them out? Well, the questions I came up with were me trying to basically look at my own situations and look at it from every angle I possibly could. What can I change? Whether it be from your attitude, from shopping habits, to the way you eat, to the way you respond to people, just everything I tried to think of. And it's actually what I did before I wrote the book um, was ask myself lots of those questions and try to answer them and try to make some changes in my life. And it's funny because I did actually, one of the things I thought was, well, I really can't draw from myself, from my own wisdom. You know, at some point, my wisdom has a limit or, you know, my understanding and knowledge has a limit. I need to draw from somebody else. And so I got a Christian psychologist that I made a few phone calls to, and they always say, write it all out, write it all out. So that uh -huh. confirmed something to me as well, that I was on the right path. So it's good to write out your problems to get them out. It's a part of what he said is a part of processing. There's actually one problem he asked me about, and he said, okay, well, did you write about this problem? And I said, yeah, I wrote about it, you know, all the time when I was a kid. Say, <laughs> when you were a kid. <laughs> yeah. I have. Did you watch Harriet the Spy when you were a kid? She uh, Well, anyway, she had sure. these composition books, those marble composition books. And I have just, I don't know, probably 15 composition books just full of stuff that I wrote since I could write. But anyway, he said, well, did you write about this problem when you were writing about that problem? I said, no. He said, well, that means you haven't processed it yet. I was like, oh, he said, you need to go write about it. So anyway, there's some great connection. I don't necessarily understand, but it works. <laughs> it's a, it's a, um, a way that your brain can take it in on a deeper level. Um, it, it's like another level. It, it's another medium. In addition to saying it, you're doing something else to it, and it's just helping your brain to sink it in on a deeper level and our there's a lots of studies on this too I mean, if you just google like journal writing studies um, there's all kind of stuff they've done clinical trials with having groups of people to write gratitude lists and journal and like they measured certain um, health uh, traits or whatever during the time like their sleep quality and all of this stuff and they've, they've shown improvements but I remember in 2004, 2004, I was in an alcohol and drug rehab. And I remember one of the counselors, this, this one thing that, that stuck out to me. He told us this. He said, when you write something out, you, your brain can process it in a, in a different way. I don't remember his exact wording. That's basically what he said. And that's always stuck with me. And so writing is a key aspect of the ministry I lead to help people with addictions and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's key. It's, it's, it's key. And there are all kind of people who, um, if you just go to Amazon, you, I mean, you even call your book a journal. Uh, there's, mm -hmm. there's lots of, uh, there's even powerful testimonies of people who were delivered out of darkness because they started journaling their journey and, writing it out so i want to say i mean if you're listening and you've never really done that you're really missing out on a powerful resource that i think god wants you to use and it's free mm -hmm. I mean, you, all you gotta do is buy some paper and a writing utensil and then it's free beyond that well, that's right yeah so there's no reason not to do it except when you say time. that i think about um King David and all the Psalms, how he just poured out everything. Mm -hmm. He definitely used writing as a way to cope and to cry out to God. Yeah, I never really looked at it like that. And he was, 
I think we could learn a lot from that ancient culture because they were very bold when talking to God. And I think sometimes Mm -hmm. we think it's wrong to be that way. And like, we'd be shocked if, if I think we don't know what some of the Psalms even say, uh, because (laughs) we, we would think that, man, you don't talk to God that way, but you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Uh (laughs) But they were so bold with it. And, and I think God welcomes that to just pour your heart out to him. Um, and it's okay to beg God. It's okay to cry. It's okay to let God know you're angry. Yeah. God is not man to where he can't handle our emotions. Like he can handle if we're sad. It doesn't make him uncomfortable. It's very different than talking to another friend. Or mm. he can handle if we're angry. It doesn't make him upset. Oh, that's an excellent point. Uh, okay, break this down briefly for us. You have a little section called flowers versus weeds. Mm-hmm. Okay, what? <laughs> tell us what that means. <laughs> so, I worked some time at a plant nursery. And it was one where we supplied the poinsettias the wholesale poinsettias to malls, to stores, and whatnot. And two, I don't know, I don't know much more about plants. When I, I live out in the country and whenever I see something with a bloom on it, to me, that is a flower. You know, it's got Uh a bloom, it's a flower. But some people are like, well, no, that's a weed. You don't want to bring that inside and put that in your bouquet. And I'm thinking, but it's, but it's pretty, you know, anyway, um, (laughs) When I wrote flowers versus weeds, I feel like sometimes the way we see ourselves, well, not sometimes, the way we see ourselves is subjective and can be influenced by other people's opinions. And I don't think that God classifies some as flowers and some as weeds, you know, for all, we're all blooming, we're all growing. Mm -hmm. Um, But the interesting part I had in that is that we pay a lot of money for poinsettias we would get our, our hands uh, what what am I trying to say not literally figuratively swatted if we messed up one of those leaves because they're so uh, brittle uh-huh. but in Mexico they grow in people's yards like weeds they are weeds people dig them up they don't want them because they take over <laughs> from what they told me I could be wrong but that was the information I got from some of the growers there and it's huh. just funny how in one place something they pay a lot of money for you have a whole nursery to grow them and take care of them people ooh and ah over them in the mall and then in another country they're like oh get these things out of my yard <laughs> <You know? laughs> they're everywhere <laughs> so it's just I think sometimes we have to take other people's opinions out of our head and realize that to God, a bloom is a bloom. Some's not flowers, others weeds. We all have value that God gives us um, really for just being a breathing image of his uh, in addition to the spiritual gifts and talents that he gives us. Oh, see, that that's deep there. And I think... Um not not realizing that holds a lot of us back in the kingdom because the scriptures talk about gifts and you even list one of my favorite verses in your book it's second uh, peter four around eight through eleven or is it first it's first peter four my bad first peter four where it, he talks about um through god's manifold grace he, he, he sheds his grace, in, but it comes out in various ways. And he says to use your gifts to serve one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and some have the gift of speaking, some have the gift of serving, but, you know, on and on. But I think the point is when, when God sheds his grace on each person, he's created each person to be individually unique. And then that grace is going to come out of that person in in the shape of that person's own unique gift and it's going to look different across the board and Mm -hmm. that's why apostle paul wrote to the people in corinth stop being envious of other people's gifts because you're supposed to have yours they're supposed to have theirs and yours doesn't look like theirs 
nor is it supposed to look like theirs. And so mm-hmm. when I think my gift should look like somebody else's, or if I want somebody else's gift, instead of spending the time to cultivate the gift the Spirit has given me, that brings heartache and misery, and it holds you back in God's kingdom from doing what He would have you to do. Mm-hmm. One of the things that really spiraled me on a complaining spree was a situation in which I felt like a total weed and I had people confirm it for me in various ways you know that I was the weed and I had never felt that way before I'd never been received that way before and so it really made me bitter for a while and then um, I came across those verses And also, have you heard, I think it was Einstein, maybe? I could be misquoting, but that said that if you tell a fish, what was it? If you put a fish in a tree or something like that? Yeah, it's attributed to Einstein. I don't think they know 100%. He said it, but it is attributed to him. Basically, if if you teach a fish that he's supposed to be able to climb a tree... And, and you judge him, I'm, par- I'm summarizing the quote, if you judge the, a fish based on his ability to climb a tree, you're going to think he's a failure. Right. So I had, I had normally been well-received, ex- respected, and then I had gotten to the situation where, um, you know, I just felt like I couldn't do anything right. And I was basically a fish out of water. And so it took me some time really to pray about it, get some wisdom about it, and let go of some very toxic ideas <laughs> for me to kind of rise above. And that was that was part of all the questions in the back, the things I was trying to answer for myself, you know, look at things in a different light, and, you know, perhaps some of the problems I had that I could change. And I did. <laughs> so. Yeah, and that, that that's... <laughs> That's huge. I think part of the journaling process is discovering what our gifts are. And, you know, I did a whole show on on gifts and purpose and passion. And that's kind of a controversial topic, um, I think. Uh, there's a lot I of different... I think I listened to that podcast. Yeah, I think you told me you did. Um, there, there's a lot of different takes uh on that but my come away with the way i approach it i think from a christian perspective is if you want to know your purpose then i think you need to take your passion plus your gifts and your passion plus your gift that's very important because I, i i think i watched a video about this it really made me think but passion alone that's not your gauge because you might you might have a real passion for something that that's not your gift and like you said if you're judging yourself on that or you might have a passion for something that's inherently sinful i mean yeah. you, you can't gauge passion alone but once you join that with the gifts from you've been given from the holy spirit then you join those together there's your purpose and there's a a jewish scholar and I refer to, I think his name is Abraham Sachs or something like that. Uh, Whatever his name is. No, Jonathan Sachs. Whatever his name is, he said, if you take what, what you want to do with what God wants you to do, then that's where he wants you to be. I like that. I think there's a lot of truth in that. Like I said, um, I, well, I don't think we were on the record when I was talking about how terrible I am at math, but I have family members who pick on me and go, Amberlynn, don't you think you should keep some flashcards out and review your tables? (laughs) (laughs) Isn't it embarrassing that you can't tell me what six times seven is? I go, no, because that's not my job. It's not my job anymore, and I got a phone, and I don't need to know that. (laughs) So don't spend time on things that just are a dead end. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah, um, well, I could talk a lot longer, but we're getting <laughs> getting to the point where approaching the last question. 
But before we get to that, I want everybody to be able to connect with you, to get your book and all that good stuff. So just tell the listeners the best way to connect with you online and the easiest way to get your book and anything else that they need to know about you. My handles on Facebook and Instagram are Amberlin Books, and then my website is amberlinbooks.com. It's pretty simple. And on amberlinbooks.com, you'll find um, a link. The About Me link on my website actually takes you to my Author Central page on Amazon, and from there you can browse the books that I have. Um, I have the Complainer's Journal, and then I have the Complainer's Workbook that kind of expands upon some messages and things that I've gleaned from study and prayer and um, has a lot of room for journaling and graphs to write out hash out some problems in your life basically the complainers journal is centered more about attitudes and relationships and the workbook is a little bit more centered on getting out of ruts in your life mm. and then I have some um, some children's books that my son and I made together they're like scrapbook style kids books that he actually had his little hands on so they're real special to me oh that's cool uh, and I think um, also on my website I have a free PDF download and it's a social media guide and I called it posting like Paul like if Paul had a Facebook what would he post or <laughs> what would he not post <laughs> that's interesting I think a lot of people would argue as to whether or not he would even have one. Um, and I think that misses the point. Um, you know, it, I don't it, know. It's a great message. He was all about spreading the gospel. So Yeah, I mean, I, think, I, personally, I personally think he would. Uh, <laughs> but I think that, that misses the, the point. We need to be asking ourselves just how would he want, how would Jesus respond in anything? I mean, in anything mm -hmm. we do, um, I, you just can't make the case that social media is inherently evil. You don't have a leg to stand on. The, the, right. the, here's the important point. Uh, it goes back to motive. How do I glorify God in this? If I'm not glorifying God in it, then I need to stop doing it, basically. That's right. That's what that's about. All right. Well, cool. I encourage everybody to get the Complainer's Journal on Amazon. and It's a really good investment. It does not cost a lot of money. It's a uh, short read, too. Yeah, it's an easy read and... <laughs> says the guy who hasn't completely read it uh, <laughs> all right so okay the, that brings us to our last question uh three-part answer and that is amberlyn if you could give someone only three fighting steps to take toward heart body and soul health to god's glory what would those three steps be i think the first one is an umbrella for a lot of different things but the first one would be to embrace accountability over all of the things you should be stewarding over well. So that includes your body, your relationships, your finances, your talents, your time. Be accountable over everything that you are to be stewarding well over. Okay. <laughs> I like it. Um, <laughs> thank you. So the second thing is something that you have touched on is to try to use all of your talents to glorify God and serve others. I think that's why we're here to be light bearers for Christ. And the last one, I would say you see all the time on social media to cut toxic people or cut the drama. And it's always very general. It doesn't tell you how. And I think the way that you do that is to learn to respect others' boundaries and to be confident mm. in your own. I think Henry Cloud says it by um, respecting another person's no and expecting or protecting your no as well. That really helps cut a lot of drama from your life and also gets it to where you can accept other people's opinions and when they disagree with you. Yeah, that that is... Like, I, I don't think that point can be made enough. Um, the book Boundaries changed my life to such an extent that I, I've said and I still say, people giggle when I say this, if I was in charge of school curriculum, I would make Boundaries recommended reading starting in the second grade. <laughs> I would make a whole 
let's just have a Dr. Henry Cloud class. Anything he writes is just is gold. I yeah. really enjoy all of his work. He's yeah. a smart guy. And John Thompson helped him with that book. Mm-hmm. They're both really smart guys who are filled with the Holy Spirit, and I enjoy everything that they come out with. Yeah, I, th- I think it's, and that's another, maybe next time we can talk about um, uh, what, we, <laughs> what we need to be teaching our children, I think. That's, uh, don't get me on that rant. Okay. <laughs> and I dropped my pen behind the uh, bookshelf. Okay. Well, thanks, Amber, <laughs> for that. Uh, I had a really fun time with the interview and and I, I know everybody who listened enjoyed it too. And so I thank you for coming on. I very much appreciate you contacting me to get me here today. Thank you so much. All right.